Hey there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 30 of Jeff Reads His Book. I'm your host, Jeff, and today we're going to be reading chapter 8 of Offworlder, a book I wrote in a month. I'm so glad everybody's here for our 30th episode. That's a pretty big milestone. I can't believe that I've written, what, 30 chapters of books? (laughs) Pretty bad quality, though. (laughs) But I'm glad you're listening still. And if you want to write to me about these books, you can head over to jeffreadshisbook.com and you'll find some contact information there. And we'll talk about it at the end of this podcast. Well... If you'd also like to buy a copy of Offworlder or its sequel, Bringing Balance, you can also go to jeffreadshisbook.com and there's some Amazon links there and you can give them some money and they'll give me very little money. (laughs) Still trying to pay for this microphone, folks. 40 bucks. Uh, We're not going to get there. Just get the ebook. I think I get like a way bigger percentage if you get the ebook. I like... If you guys buy a paper book, Amazon keeps this like gargantuan sum. Like it's an $11 book and they keep like a third of it as royalties. I just did air quotes. I don't even know what that means. I think I've bitched about that before. So why don't we just get moving into feedback? Yes, that's right. So we only have discussion questions from one of our readers. And of course, it's my lovely wife, Laura. So last week, we had three discussion questions. Uh, My first one was, I wanted some opinions on drinking at work. So what does Laura say in this message? Uh, I wish I could. I've never looked at my employee handbook to see what it says about drinking at work. If the handbook is silent, then I guess I've been given implicit permission to do so. (laughs) Good call. (laughs) Uh, The second one, have you ever been concussed? Uh, it says I, She says, I've never experienced a concussion throughout my storied high school career as a flag girl, choir member, show choir dancer, or musical cast member. Yes. Yes, Laura was not, uh, she wasn't doing the sports. You know what I mean? She was doing, you know what, I would have been way into her in high school. <laughs> you hear that, Laura? All right. Question three. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh! how much does a sack of money weigh, right? Because we were talking about how it's probably coins and they were loading sacks of money onto a cart from a cart. It was very confusing. But, uh, all right, so how much would that weigh? Because they were lifting them up. It seems like it'd be expensive. So Laura says, while my experience with sacks of coins is extensive, this is a shot in the dark. I'd say about 50 pounds. Do, you, do certain coins weigh more than others? A sack of Sacagaweas might weigh more than a sack of nickels. I like that alliteration, Laura. Very nice. Sacagaweas, for all my foreign listeners, are... Oh, and I think we do have some Europeans in the live audience. Am I right? No? No? Okay. No, no, nobody from Europe in the live audience. Sacagaweas are America's dollar coin that nobody uses. (laughs) You can also get them with every single president, which is kind of stupid. Because, again, nobody uses them. They're fun to have, though, and it's fun to confuse cashiers with them. (laughs) Uh, So what does she say? Uh, uh, Or does that go back to the age-old question of which weighs more? 
A pound of steel or a pound of feathers? Something to ponder. Does each sack weigh the same regardless of the type of coin it contains simply due to the number of coins it can hold? Okay, I see what she's saying. So it's like the sack, the money sack with the big dollar sign on it or whatever, you know, that's probably got like a net weight marking on it. That's what she's implying. So it doesn't matter what type of coin it is. It's just full of coins up to 50 pounds. I don't really know how that works. Uh, if you ever wrote for, I don't know, Warner Brothers cartoons, they seem to use sacks of money a lot. Write in. Let us know. <laughs> Ooh, or DuckTales. Because <laughs> that guy's wealth was all in coins. <laughs> right? Scrooge McDuck, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I loved that show. Who else liked DuckTales? If you like DuckTales, write into the show. That show was freaking awesome. Although, I can't imagine swimming in coins. That seems like it would hurt, like, extensively. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay. So, today. Let's talk about today. Oh, uh, I did want to mention, I'm looking at my notes. You probably heard some paper moving. Uh, it looks like we're getting about double-digit downloads. I'm thinking mid-20s <laughs> per episode. So, I did a search for episode 29 to see how many people downloaded it. Look like 24, 25. Some of them are bots, and I think, like, uh, like I don't think I see each download from Stitcher. I don't think that works that way. Uh, I'm implying I have listeners on Stitcher. If I, I certainly don't. <laughs> but whatever, you know what I'm saying. I, I'm not real sure, but I'm going I'm to put it in the mid-20s is my guess at the number of listeners. If every listener wrote in, I could count it. Yeah, you should all write in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to do anything with your email or name. Uh, you know what? Tweet me or uh, send me a toot on Mastodon because then that's useless. I can't do anything with that, right? If you're scared that I'm going to sell your email name to marketers of, I don't know, um, let me see, uh, you know, some merchant that's claiming to sell brides from Eastern Europe, or how about uh, your bank, right? My bank writes to me a lot saying that, oh my God, this is wrong. Well, actually it doesn't because I have a small bank. <laughs> but I do get some pretty clever attempts to make me re-enter my Chase account number. Yeah. Good try, guys. But anyway, if you write into me, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sell your email because I don't even know how that works. <laughs> And what, who's going to buy 20 of them? <laughs> okay, all right. So we're reading chapter 8. It's a long chapter. We're at 12 pages on this one. And I feel like in Bring Balance, that would be like an hour and a half episode. But I think this book, I think something about the typesetting makes it smaller. Maybe there's bigger margins or something. I don't know. I can't tell what's going on here. I, who cares? Who cares? Right. Uh, so uh, if you were missing all the staff meetings from previous chapters... Good news, there's one in this chapter. Oh yeah, we're going to have a staff meeting. Um, what else we have? Oh, so this chapter, not very exciting, but I'm going to say there's a good amount of character building in it. Uh, I think we're going to see a little more interaction with Henry and Margot. So if you're into the, what, um, like the comedy romance, romantic comedy, yeah, that's, that's what we're going to get in this chapter. It's going to be good times, right? Good times. So I don't think we need to delay any further because we got 12 pages to get through. And you know what? Laura's going to be home in an hour, so I better move quick. So let's go ahead and dive in to Chapter 8. 
So for today's chapter, I am sipping on something very special. That's right, folks. This week, I was able to purchase some Buffalo Trace. What do I want to say? Buffalo Trace Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. It is my favorite whiskey, and it is phenomenal. And I am going to be drinking it neat today. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to hear any uh, ice clinking as I swirl my drink, but oh, you guys got to get this Buffalo Trace. It is spectacular. It's kind of expensive. It's like in that Maker's Mark price range, but it's definitely better. It's phenomenal. I love it. But um, yeah, I'm going to sip on that today, and I'm probably going to need a refill because I suspect we have a good number of drinking breaks in this chapter. A lot of dialogue. A lot of different settings. Uh, spoiler, though, they're all around the temple. It's not exciting. <laughs> but why don't we just go ahead and start reading, huh? Okay. <clears throat> News of the successful undermining of the mercantile exchange heist traveled quickly across the settlement the next day. At breakfast, Margot sat with Pauline and Joe, eating a delicious pie she had never tried before, and chatting about trivial matters. They sensed some mild excitement at other tables, but they thought nothing of it. Trevor eventually emerged from the commissary with a breakfast plate and joined the trio at their table. Did you guys hear the news about the heist? He asked with excitement. Was that exciting? I think I read it pretty exciting. When all three shook their heads, indicating they hadn't, he looked at them in disbelief. How could you not hear? he asked. Anyway, they stopped that heist. Thanks, buddy. All three stared at him blankly. The money heist at the mercantile exchange north of here? He continued, shaking his head. He said, anyways. See, uh, all right, let's stop there for a second. Is it anyways or anyway? I, so I listened to the Bill Burr podcast, stellar podcast, and he gets yelled at for saying anyways. We're both from Massachusetts, though, so is that like a regional thing? I say anyways. I'm going to stick with that, and it's in the book, so tough. Anyways, they thought they had them cornered in the vaults, but they had actually snuck out the back. That's where Henry found them. He, oh, that's where Henry found them. Took out five bandits alone. Took. Took them out? Joe asked nervously. Well, knocked them unconscious or whatever, Trevor said, shrugging and starting on his breakfast. Ten minutes before the staff meeting, Henry rushed out of the commissary, carrying a plate with a single sandwich on it. Others had started to clean up and wandered to the temple, but Henry rushed to Margot, Pauline, Joe, and Trevor, sitting quickly. A few people called to him, and he waved sheepishly. Ugh, I'm late, he said, stuffing the sandwich in his mouth. Whoa, it's the big hero, Trevor exclaimed. Henry shook his head to indicate he was not, in fact, the big hero. Margot laughed at him, and Henry turned to her, smiling with a mouthful of egg and bread. Did you have a good day yesterday, Margot asked. Henry swallowed and replied, sure, it was fine. But we're still going to Sandhill tonight, right? Margot shrugged and looked at Pauline. When Pauline nodded, she said, Um, yes, I guess. Oh, good, Henry said, putting his right hand to his chest. 
I wasn't sure I'd see any of you for the rest of the day, so I wanted to make sure. What was it like, Trevor asked, clearly frustrated at the topic of conversation. Well, the bread is probably yesterday's, but the eggs were nicely cooked, Henry said, wiping his hands on a napkin. Margot started laughing hard now, covering her mouth when she saw Trevor's nearly angry face. Could use some more salt, perhaps, he said, smiling at Margot. It did look pretty tasty, Pauline added, causing Trevor to stand up and leave with his breakfast. Oh, come on, Trevor, he called, but Trevor just put his hand up without turning back. Eh, he'll be fine, Henry said to his remaining companions. Margot continued to laugh, harder than she had since she arrived at the temple, she realized. Drinking break! Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys are missing out. This is great. Mm. I like to sip whiskey. I don't understand people who do shots of whiskey because it tastes so tasty. Mm. Okay. Should we just keep trucking through this? All right. Let's get on because it's a staff meeting and I know you're all excited. I bet everybody commuting to work is really enjoying this prequel to what they might be enjoying today at their workplace. I want to first congratulate our special reserves on a job well done, Roland said as the meeting started. It sounds as if our new hires had an especially good day. The farmers and traders give you, give their thanks. Oh, my laundry's done. (laughs) I don't think, so I changed the microphone setting. I don't think it picks up the buzzing anymore. We'll see. Uh, A loud applause followed, and Henry was relieved he hadn't been called out specifically. I would have said by name, you know, to get the word count up. That would have been better. Roland raised his hands to quiet everyone. Next order of business, we still have no word from our Western expedition. Something terrible is occurring, and we're not sure what yet. Before the murmurs can get out of con- Before the murmurs can- What the hell? Okay, so this is a typo. Okay, so it says, this is not quotes. Before the murmurs can get out of control, Roland started speaking. I think it should be before the murmurs could get out of control, Roland started speaking, right? Ooh, that's a nasty typo. All right, Roland started speaking. Lieutenant Jackson and I have been discussing this, and we've chosen a new expeditionary force to travel west. They'll have two tasks. First, they need to locate our two missing mages. Second, we still need to determine what happened in the village. Ooh, a lot of mystery in this, because I don't think we've explained any of it. (laughs) I suspect we are dealing with a very dark magic indeed, Elliot added. Henry noted that Roland glared at the elderly man slightly. Lieutenant, who have you chosen? The balding lieutenant stood from his seat amongst the senior mages. Based on discussions with Roland, we have chosen Montaigne, Weaver, and Gentry to travel. We've also selected Eberhard to accompany them. Okay, I don't know where Montaigne, Weaver, or Gentry came from. Those are some good questions. I'm not sure. Eberhard is from the uh, pencil company. (laughs) Because I used to like... um, It was the American pencil. It was the Faber-Castle wood pencil. I never... Mechanical pencils suck ass. All right? That's fact. Look it up. It's in the dictionary. But, uh, like, the Faber-Castle 
um, American pencil or the American natural if you didn't want to get yellow paint all over your mouth when you chew them because, you know, you're going to chew your pencil, right? Both the best pencils ever made by far. But then they kept changing, like it wasn't Faber Castle, then it was Everhard Faber, and then I think it just said Everhard. Everhard, Everhard, whatever, who gives a shit? I think that company still exists, but they don't make like consumer pencils anymore, which sucks because they were the best pencils. I, there's like two pencils left that are made in America. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. So, anywho, yeah, I have one. Actually, I take notes on my uh, podcast with one. It's a, you know what, I've chewed this to death. Uh, oh, it's a Moon Products. Uh, it's something like a. It has something to do with three, Triplex or something. I don't know. I think it's Triplex. Yeah, great pencil, wood, tasty, nice erasers. Yeah, yeah. You know what sucks? Those Dixon Oriole pencils. Yeah, don't buy those. They stink, and now they make them in China. So who gives a shit? Why would you buy them anyway? All right, let's move on. Uh, I'm not like a pencil nerd, but I do like a nice wood pencil. Where was I? Oh, Eberhard, right. Okay. Henry knew some of the names from training and meetings, but he was not directly familiar with any of them. He concluded that they must be at least a year or more senior than himself. He was relatively certain that the last name wasn't a warrior mage. Wow. That added a lot to the story, that paragraph. <laughs> There will be no further discussion at this time, Roland stated loudly as the murmurs in the room began to grow in volume. This business has already been decided. We'll move on to new business. We'll be expecting a review by the magistrates sometime this month, Elliot announced. We're not sure which day they've chosen, but everyone should know that your presence will be mandatory. These reviews are their chance to come strip us of some of our best mages, so we always look forward to it. A light laugh rose from the room. Ha 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 And Elliot smiled. Some of the newcomers may not understand its importance, so please do explain it to them, supervisors. Henry took a moment to look over at Margot, who sat two people over from him, and he saw her looking down at the floor digging her right boot into a crack between the floor tiles. As if feeling his gaze, she looked up at him with what Henry felt was a sad face. Remember, because her brother is a magistrate, and she doesn't like him. Okay. Henry leaned over and quietly said, Should I tell everyone about my sandwich? <laughs> I think it'd be valid new business. <laughs> I like that. So he's trying to cheer her up, right? Margot started to laugh, covering her mouth with her hand. Although, Trevor may have told everyone already, he added with a shrug. Pauline and Joe started to stifle laughter, but Margot failed. A full laugh escaped, causing Henry to laugh at her quietly. People in surrounding rows turned to look at Margot, who was now trying to appear serious and straighten her smile. Is there a problem, Miss LaFleur? Elliot asked. Good. May we continue, or did you have something to bring up? Margot shook her head, and the two men at the front of the temple continued with their agenda. Henry sat back, ecstatic that he had once again made the dark-haired woman laugh. Oh, because he has a crutch on her! Drinking break! 
Mm. Oh, that's nice. Just as a uh, point of interest, this is not how, like, high school worked for me. <laughs> Maybe a little better in college. <laughs> that's where I met the lovely Laura. Yes, okay. All right. I didn't make girls laugh. That's not my thing. I, I make Laura laugh. She seems to like me. I guess. If Laura likes me, she should write in and tell me so. <laughs> Henry was able to leave the training fields earlier than normal that evening. Aside to... Uh, ugh, okay, all right. Is the Buffalo Trace catching up with me? Let's try again. <laughs> Henry was able to leave the training fields earlier than normal that evening. Assigned to mage-on-mage mage fighting... He had ended his fight with a more senior warrior mage about a minute after the fight started, although the training fights were expected to last about 20 times longer. So 20 minutes, right? Exchanging the usual fireballs, energy blasts, and sonic bursts, Henry waited for a special moment, retreating and blocking. When he saw his chance, he slid his right foot forward into the ground. Instead of simply sliding across the dirt, though, the ground in front of his foot surged and piled onto his opponent. Henry stood in the newly created ditch and walked back to the water table, <laughs> leaving others to see the now-buried mage. <laughs> the water table? <laughs> I think, shouldn't it have said, like, the, the water jugs or the water bottles or, like, craft services i don't know the water table isn't that what little kids play in on their back porches the water table where they have like a boat and a bucket of sand and yeah oh god damn it i think that might have been unnecessary malcolm said smiling i need to get going early is that all right he asked malcolm frowned at <laughs> Malcolm frowned at Mage, who had just climbed from the dirt pile, <laughs> brushing some, himself off and yelling to Henry. You like that? No, at the Mage. <laughs> yeah, you better get going, he agreed. I'd avoid him for a few days, but nice move, he admitted. Henry had jogged back to his house, removing his boots outside to avoid bringing any of the dirt inside. He preferred to have his little house as clean as possible inside. Thank you for all the insides and outsides so far. All right. Uh, Janie called him a, quote, neat freak, but he just felt it was decent to maintain a clean home. After closing the door, he removed his pants, legs covered in dirt as well, right at the threshold. Sliding in his socks, he started to run towards his dresser when a knock came at the door. Henry tried to stop, but instead fell onto his side as his feet slid out from below him. Damn it, he exclaimed, climbing to his feet and walking back to the door. I think we've all fallen down trying to slide on a wood floor. <laughs> he cracked the door to find Margot and Pauline standing outside, looking amused. Everything all right, Pauline asked? Oh, uh, yeah, I just fell over, Henry explained. Fell over? Margot asked. Yeah, um, I was in a rush to get ready, and I was running in my socks when you knocked, and... He paused. I'm not wearing any pants at the moment, so could you excuse me for a bit? They stared at him confused while he shut the door and charged back across the room towards the dresser. 
Quickly, he pulled what he considered a nice-ish pair of pants from the drawers and tugged them up. Do you see that? I didn't use that Massachusetts outfit or accent. What would I have said? Quickly, he pulled it what he considered a nice-ish pair of pants from the drawers and tugged them up. So when you say draws in Massachusetts, you say draws. And that's how I say it normally, but I'm pronunciating, you know, in case you're using this podcast to learn English, which you shouldn't. <laughs> uh, looking down at his shirt, he quickly opened another draw and rifled through it until he found the shirt he wanted. He cursed the buttons as he removed his first shirt and started buttoning the second. Should have just torn it apart like he was the Incredible Hulk, am I right? The door cracked and Pauline called into the room. Are you decent? Sure, come on in, he yelled from across the room. Both women came in as he finished buttoning his shirt. He felt relieved that, other than the dirt-covered pants, he, the, not he, the, house was clean. Oh, this place is tiny, exclaimed Pauline. Yeah, but I kind of like it, Henry said. It's cozy. Margot had wandered over to his table and was examining some books Henry had stacked up on the table. Yes, they would be on the table because she walked over to the table to look at the books on the table. God damn it. Flipping through one, she asked, History books? I was just trying to learn more. I was just trying to learn a bit more about this place, Henry explained. I don't really know much about your world. Are they as dull as our history books from school, Pauline asked, wandering over to peek at them? Pretty much, Henry admitted, while he pulled clean socks on. Wait, oh, that's a typo. He never took his socks off. (laughs) Standing, he said, all right, I'm all set. Do we need to go get Joe now? Ooh, drinking break. Mm. Mm. I might have to go upstairs. This is phenomenal. Mm. Well, through the magic of pausing, we're going to get a refill. Woo! Perfect. We've got a little more Buffalo Trace to finish off this chapter. Mm. Still having it neat. Yeah. Yeah. Got to drink the good whiskey without the ice. You know, we don't want to water it down. Okay. After stopping at Joe's house, the four walked to Sand Hill together as the sun set. Oh, it's nice setting, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Margot had been concerned that some other mages might join them as work ended for the day. She didn't want to hear tales of excitement from the exchange robbery all night, complete with backslapping and hurrahs. Walking into Sandhill, it appeared nobody had followed them. They all agreed to return to the swirly swine again. (laughs) I don't know why that's... It's the agreed and again. I think that makes that sentence sound funny. Having no complaints from their last trip, it seemed the logical choice. When they entered, the tavern was already crowded with people, mostly the residents of the village, tradesmen, and their significant others, and farmers from the surrounding pasture lands. Okay, I guess. All right, well, why, those commas are confusing. Mostly the residents of the village, comma, tradesmen and their significant others, comma, and farmers from the surrounding pasture lands. I don't know why only tradesmen are married. <laughs> okay, um, 
The four crowded into a small area against the bar to order drinks since they saw no sign of a table. An older man walked over, wiping his hands on a bar towel, smiling. What can I get for you, he asked. Four ales, please, Henry said, reaching for his coin purse. When the man returned with four large mugs, beer dripping down the sides, he placed them on the bar and looked at the four curiously. Are you all mages from the temple down the road, he asked. Yep, Henry said as he counted out some coins. Can I ask you something, he asked. All four nodded as they took their drinks. I got a few kegs in yesterday, and one had what looked like moss, and one had what looked like a moss or something on it. We scraped it off before we brought it in, but it seems to be spreading awfully fast. We keep scraping and cleaning it, but... What are you trying to clean it with, Joe asked, surprising Margot. Ammonia, he said. Tried vinegar and even whiskey, too. What color is the moss? Pauline asked. Black and gray. Very strange, he said. Can you show us? Joe asked. Ooh, see, so Joe and Pauline, the two kind of shy ones, are really taking the lead. <laughs> sure, follow me, he said, walking to a gap in the bar and waving for the mages to follow. Margot was amused at how animated the two potions masters were at this question. The bartender led them through the steamy kitchen where... What am I reading here? God damn it. The bartender led them through the steamy kitchen and into a storage room where 15 or more kegs... What was it? 15 or more. Which one? Uh, All right. Where 15 or more kegs were stored on crisscrossed wood beams from floor to ceiling. One keg on the bottom left was almost completely covered in a fuzzy black moss, and the blackness was spreading to adjoining kegs, the wood beams, and the walls. A teenage boy stood on a chair with a knife, scraping it from the wall, leaving behind a dark, moist stain in the wood. It's devil's rot, Joe said almost immediately, looking after entering the room. Wait. It's devil's rot, Joe said, almost immediately after entering the room. Pauline nodded in agreement. Looks like an aggressive batch of it. He knelt down... Um, oh, so Joe's still talking. All right. He knelt down and examined the edge of the mossy growth on the beams. If you concentrate, you can see it spreading. Henry joined him, staring closely at the spreading blackness. You'll need some devil's fire to get rid of this, Pauline said to the bartender. At least 25% solution. Joe stood and nodded in agreement. Devil's fire, the bartender said. Sighing, he continued, that's some expensive stuff. While the two potions, potion masters continued explaining what to do, Margot tried to remember if she actually had any of this potion. She recalled that she might. While everyone else in the room was examining the mossy growth, she reached into her, quote, private closet, as she thought of it. Always available, Margot had extra-dimensional storage space. Not an extra-dimensional storage space, just extra-dimensional storage space that only she could use. She had no explanation for this power she possessed, but it made traveling simple and easy. 
She always had anything she wanted, as the available space seemed limitless. If you listen to the Bringing Balance podcast, she used this a lot. All right. Grabbing at large jugs while staring at the ceiling in concentration, she finally felt the one she wanted and yanked it back into the room where she stood. She read the label on the glass jug, smiling. Looking up, she found the bartender, the cleaning boy, and the two potions masters still in deep discussion. Henry, however, was staring at her, his mouth hanging open in amazement. She put one index finger to her mouth, and Henry nodded with wide eyes. Right? So she's telling him to be quiet. Yeah, all right. Margot walked over to Joe and tapped him on the shoulder. Here, I had some, she said, handing him the glass jug. Oh, great, Joe explained. Shouldn't that one be exclaimed? Oh, great, right? Yeah, it should be exclaimed. That's a typo, and it's a stupid one. (laughs) Taking the potion from her. Pauline looked at her with a raised eyebrow. Joe proceeded to open the potion, wet the bartender's towel, and dab the liquid on the moss. It immediately started to generate an unnatural red smoke, and all signs of the moss were gone under where the liquid had been applied. Margot grabbed Henry's arm and dragged him to the other side of the room while Joe and Pauline continued their advice. In a low whisper, she said, with a serious voice, she said, Not a word of this to anyone! Henry replied quietly, Okay, I won't mention it to anyone, but what did you do? Margot considered her words carefully. I have a secret closet, she explained. Shrugging, she said, it's magic. (laughs) That's awesome, he whispered back, his eyes still fixed on her in amazement. How much do I owe you, ma'am, the bartender said, turning back to Margot. Oh, Margot replied confused. Nothing, please, it's a gift. No, please, I insist, he pressed. Margot smiled. I'm just happy to help. The bartender looked back to Joe and Pauline, then at Margot again. Really? Well, thank you. Everything is on me tonight. You don't have to, Henry started. No, no, you've really helped me out. Your money is no good here, he said, smiling. Now let's get all of you some dinner. Oh, look, they helped the small business owner. <laughs> Ooh, and it's a drinking break. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a long delay for whiskey, huh? What do we got here? Yeah, that's like five seconds. Sorry, people. Yeah, five seconds of dead dead air while I sip whiskey. My bad. Should I make more? Right into the show, if I should be more uh, noisy when I drink, like slurpy? Yeah. All right. Whew, this buffalo trace is vicious. Okay. The bartender who they learned was indeed the owner of the surly swine, and made sure they all received dinner at a table set back from the bar. As it darkened further outside, additional patrons squeezed in, including a number of mages from the temple. The quartet kept to themselves, enjoying the copious amounts of chicken and vegetables. So it might not be a stew. That's nice. (laughs) Why were you carrying that jug, Pauline finally asked Margot. Who said I was carrying it, she replied. Joe and Pauline stared at her in confusion. 
Henry tried to keep a straight face, but was just as curious about the answer. Look, I, she started, but then just frowned. Henry felt a little bad for her. Margot, you don't need to tell us if you don't want to. You know that, he explained. We were just very curious. Pauline and Joe both nodded in agreement. Henry watched as Margot's eyes shifted between the three of them. Finally, with a straight face, she said simply, I'd rather not talk about it right now. All right, Henry responded. He lifted his mug and said, Regardless, how about a toast? To a completed adventure into many more. Pauline and Joe both lifted their mugs, but Margot seemed to do so grudgingly. Henry saw the hesitation and said, Wouldn't have this free dinner without you, Margot. Oh, she said, smiling. You were talking about the mold, Henry nodded. I thought you were talking about the robbery, Joe said. No, Henry corrected them. I enjoyed this adventure in the back room. The robbery adventure was miserable. (laughs) Why, Joe asked. Henry explained his hours of sitting silently with Cindy prior to anything happening. His friends were especially fond of the, quote, pregnancy explanation for Cindy's refusal to drink. That sounds miserable, Pauline admitted. It was, Henry agreed. It would have been so much better if I had been alone or, alternatively, with someone who didn't outwardly despise me. Henry noted Margot's smile had returned, and he smiled back. However, it was short-lived. Her smile disappeared just as a hand smacked Henry on the back. Henry, a voice he recognized as Devon, said from behind him. The big hero this week. Oh, Devon's a douchebag, if you all remember correctly. I think Trevor's kind of a douchebag too, but I think Devon's going to end up being the bigger, spoiler alert, douchebag. (laughs) Henry turned, is it alright to say douchebag these days? I think it is. I don't think that's not like... Yeah, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Write in if that's no longer acceptable. (laughs) I don't know. All right. Henry turned in his seat and looked up at the larger mage. Oh, we didn't, did we know he was larger? I didn't know that. (laughs) A few other warrior mages were with him. Devon, he said as a simple greeting. He wasn't pleased to have what he considered a delightful evening to be interrupted. Miss Lafleur, Devon said, acknowledging Margot across the table. Henry watched as Margot simply nodded. Looking back at Henry, Devon continued. Why don't you come have a few with us? I'm buying. I'm good, but thanks, Henry said, smiling. His colleagues stared at him silently, but he continued smiling. He knew he was committing a faux pas by refusing to spend an evening with them. The faux pas kind of tripped me up. I think I spelled it right. I think we're good. Okay. Um, we thought Devon started again. Henry interrupted. Maybe another time, but I'm right in the middle of a meal. You guys have a nice evening, though, and I'll definitely see you on Monday. He finished with an extremely annoying wink while pointing his index finger up at Devon. That is annoying, so he just did the... (laughs) He's done that a few times in this book. I like that. Yeah. The other mages started walking away, every one of them scowling at Henry. He didn't care, though. Oh, the other mages. 
Does that include Devon? I was a little confused. Sorry, I was reading ahead. I, I don't understand that. Okay. Sorry about that, Henry apologized. You can go have a drink or whatever with them if you want, Margot said. Henry waved off, waved the suggestion off. Eh, they'll probably spend the evening arguing about who can defeat who or who can lift the heaviest rock or whatnot. That's not for me. That sounds fascinating, Pauline said in a voice laced with sarcasm. So who can lift with the heaviest rock? From what I hear, it's him, Joe said, pointing at Henry. Henry simply rolled his eyes and continued with his meal. Ooh, drinking break! I feel like I'm adding a lot of commentary in these drinking breaks. And I was right. We're on, like, number five. There's a ton of them. But if you don't like the commentary in the drinking breaks, write into the show, jeffreadshisbook.com. Okay. By the time the quartet returned to the temple, midnight was approaching. When they reached a midpoint between their respective houses, the group split and went their separate ways. Margot walked in the cool night air with Pauline towards their house, not bothering with paths. That was fun tonight, wasn't it? Pauline asked. Margot considered her question. With perhaps two moments of awkwardness, it had been a pleasant evening. She sometimes wished she wouldn't be so guarded and secretive, but it was for the best, she reminded herself. Page turn is a problem. Let me get... Oh, God damn it. All right. I did, Margot finally replied. That was fun. What do you think of Henry? Pauline asked. Caught, caught by surprise, Margot responded, Why? It's just that we never see him during the day or anything. But he always wants to hang out with us at other times, Pauline explained. Margot thought about it for a short while as they walked. She did find it somewhat odd that he more or less ignored the people he worked with socially. Some of them actively disliked him, and now that she had thought about it... Oh, God damn it. Some of them actively disliked him now that she had thought about it. Instead, he clung to Janie and, by association, Janie's friends. That must be hard for him, Margot said thoughtfully. What do you mean? Pauline asked. Well, it's not as if he works with friends. Some of them are outright... Some of them outright hate him, Margot explained. And then maybe... But only maybe he sees a friend or two at the end of the day. That's a little sad, Pauline said. But it's only our first week here. Maybe things will get better for him. He certainly doesn't seem unhappy. No, he doesn't, Margot agreed. Ah, and that ends chapter eight. So what did everybody think about that chapter? I kind of liked it. So I think I've pointed out before that my favorite part of these books is kind of the dialogue. And I like the, I really do like the, okay. Obviously, I like the Margot and Henry interaction. That is kind of the whole plot of this book, even though there's other things happening. But it's really the, 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 you know, that's really what's happening here. So I kind of like the chapters where the two of them interact. And uh, I think this was a good one, right? Margot's warming up a little more to him. You know, he seems like nice. Um, He seems kind of obsessed and creepy, but that's fine. That's fine, I think. I don't think it's, uh, 
dangerous creepy and he just he's just courting her let's say that how about that you know so he gets real happy when he makes her laugh or um she smiles that's all he's really concerned about oh it's so nice right is this a rom-com do you think they could make a rom-com movie out out of this book i'm guessing they couldn't because it's so bad nobody would watch a movie with like i don't know 12 staff meetings in it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at least this staff meeting wasn't particularly tedious and i guess all they were trying to do was make margo laugh in it you know that was all the author was shooting for i guess um what else we didn't have any janie in this chapter but i think last chapter it said she had to go somewhere ah, i get real confused by these kind of things i'm not sure if i like kept track of that when i was writing the book like uh So this is a Friday, I think. Friday? Let's say it's a Friday. But I must have been keeping notes or something when I wrote this to try to keep track of days. On the other hand, I very well could have written like the last two chapters in the same day. Who knows? Who knows? National Novel Writing Month is a goddamn nightmare. So I'm not sure what exactly happened, but whatever. It's good. So I enjoyed this chapter immensely. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but there was lots of talking in it. That's my favorite thing to write, I think. Which is ironic, because I don't like talking to people. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean, is that a big surprise, right? I have an engineering degree and I work from home. Clearly, I don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> so, I think that was a good chapter. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, so why don't we just move right into some discussion questions? I see no reason not to. Okay. So question one, I wrote this down real quick. Uh, have you ever fallen trying to slide in socks on a floor, wood floor, tile floor, whatever? Have you ever fallen down doing that? I can't think of a particular instance. Well, I take that back. So we have wood floors in this house. I've fallen down the stairs on multiple occasions until we got... Now we have rugs, but I used to fall down the stairs. It was bad. A couple times, yeah. I'm just getting excited running down the stairs in socks and whoop, there goes my feet. And I fell down four stairs, yeah. So I remember a couple times just my butt hurting for days afterwards. Jesus. But uh, have you ever slid and fallen over? I feel like that's happened where I've slid and just fallen on my side on like a wood floor. I grew up with some wood floors too. Uh, I would assume anybody who grew up and still continues living in a home with wall-to-wall carpeting has no clue what I'm talking about, right? But (sighs) wood floors are fun for sliding. Our new, like we had the wood floors refinished in my house. And uh, this is an old house. It's like from the 50s. So the wood, some of the wood isn't like right up against each other and some of the floors sagging in spots and stuff like that. So you can, I think you might be able to get a splinter if you slide in the wrong spot. (laughs) Dangerous house. Yeah. All right. So yeah, right in if you've ever slid and fallen down. I'm pretty sure I have, but I can confirm sliding on wood stairs, which I think counts. It's still a floor. It's just a very small, tiny floor. Yeah. All right. Question two. Okay. Margot, let's look up the quote. Okay. When they come, when she comes out for breakfast, totally lost the page. Here we go. Mm -mm 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 -
At breakfast, Margot sat with Pauline and Joe eating a delicious pie she had never tried before and chatting about trivial matters. So, question two. What breakfast pie was Margot eating? I probably wouldn't have thought of this except for Glenn's feedback. One of the discussion questions, his favorite pie, his favorite savory pie was a quiche, right? So she could be eating a quiche, but... Is she eating, like, an apple pie? I don't know how everybody else grew up, but I grew up eating, like, sweets for breakfast. I don't know why that was. I mean, there was a good amount of breakfast where we'd have cookies or brownies as our breakfast before going to school. I'm not sure what that was about. (laughs) I mean, I think some of it was... uh, I had a sister who couldn't eat wheat. Since a baby, not like fake adults who said they can't eat wheat, but a real actual food allergy. And um, I think that might be why we were having brownies and cookies and weird stuff like that for breakfast, but I'm not sure. I think one of the oddest things I had for breakfast was raviolis, cheese raviolis. I used to have for breakfast all the time. And so I kind of think of raviolis as like a uh, breakfast food, which I don't think anybody else does. But if you can think of another pie, so I think when I wrote this, maybe Margot got like an apple pie or some other fruit pie to eat at breakfast. I think that makes a lot of sense in my mind, but maybe everybody else reading is like, nah, nobody's eating apple pie for breakfast. I think they would, but I'm probably wrong. So you know what? Maybe this week I'll make an apple pie. That kind of sounds good right now, doesn't it? Oh, okay. Question three. Okay, so we learn for the first time in this book series, right, unless you listen to the earlier episodes of this podcast, that Margot has a secret closet where she keeps shit. So, if you had a secret closet, what would you keep in it? That's the whole question. I would say, in my case, I would probably keep, like, snacks. And when I say snacks, I mean, like, processed foods like we're talking boxes of crackers (laughs) i think that's what i'd go with i can't get enough salty foods and it doesn't help that this podcast i'm recording before i eat lunch so right now i'm starving so all i'm thinking about is food and keeping food in this secret closet where i could keep just like pull any snack i wanted right out of there you know what i'd fill it with doritos and donuts probably and i would probably weigh 250 pounds Right? A solid 100 pounds higher than I weigh right now. (laughs) Maybe 90 pounds. I'm a little heavy. (laughs) But anyway, what would you keep in your secret closet? I really can't think of anything but food right now, which kind of means that I'm hungry, I guess. I don't know. uh, What else would you keep in a secret closet? I mean, if it's a secret closet, yeah, I don't know. 80s and 90s Jeff would probably keep pornography there. Although 80s Jeff was pretty young, so probably not. But you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's what adults would maybe keep in there if you didn't have access to the internet. Which in this world of magic you didn't. So yeah, maybe you keep pornography in your secret closet. <laughs> that's a tough call. I don't know. What a, I mean, nobody else can get into there. So you can keep, if you're into something weird, you can keep a book about that in there. Or book, magazine, I'm guessing, right? Uh, I don't know what else. What else is useful that I kind of need sometimes? I mean, 
Uh, I really can't think of anything. A shovel? I don't know. Um, ooh, how about like uh, that ice scraper for your car? Yeah, that would be nice. Then you wouldn't have it in the stupid trunk rattling around while you drive around. I hate that thing. Umbrellas. Umbrellas is a good one, right? Galoshes. I think that's an underused footwear item is a galosh. Yeah. I don't know what else, though. I think I came up with some good ones. Think of some other items that you need every now and again and don't have or something you don't want other people to know you have. Um, hmm. You know what? That would really alleviate me carrying around my, like, my wallet and car keys. I could just throw it in that secret closet and then my pants wouldn't bulge and make me look like an idiot. So, yeah. So good. If you have an answer to any of those discussion questions, write in. You can go over to jeffreadshisbook.com and there's links for all the different ways to contact me. You can contact me via email at jba at sdf.org or you can send me a toot on Mastodon in the Fediverse at jba at mastodon.sdf.org or if you're a regular person you can hit me up on Twitter I'm at Fortran Jeff on Twitter all one word Fortran Jeff and if you couldn't understand what I just said because I've had too much Buffalo Trace Head on over to jeffreadshisbook.com and that's where you can find links to all these things. Or buy a copy of this fabulous book. So next week we're going to read chapter 9. Let me just take a little, we'll have a little preview. Is this a cliffhanger? Ooh, yeah. We're going to get you guys listening next week too. Um, How many people think there's going to be a staff meeting? Maybe I'll leave that open. Oh boy, this starts real dull. Okay, it's going to be a short-ass chapter. Um, Yeah, this is going to be dull as hell. Yeah, it's like a placeholder chapter, I think. Yeah. So, hopefully you guys all tune in anyway. But, until next time, keep on reading! Keep on reading!